Um, well, I want to tell you a little bit about Chris. I'm going to be brief with my um, introduction because I want you to get time with him today. But we were, we, I picked up Chris at the airport yesterday. We were kind of talking a little bit about even our friendship. And this is kind of a wild thing. I, I've told you before, I've grown up, I grew up in Ukaipa, but for a year, I lived up on the central coast in Santa Maria. And I was a part of a great church. Chris was a part of a great church up in Fairfield, some more northern California. And our churches were a part of a group that would go to Hume Lake together. We'd do winter camps together, summer camps together. And so our churches connected a lot. I only went to high school summer camp and high school winter camp. That's all I would have ever done with that church and moved back to Ukaipa. But on winter camp, I was a freshman. I think Chris was a senior. And I actually remember, it was just weird as he was sharing his story a, a summer ago, I was putting pieces together, and as he was sharing some things about his past, I was realizing, I think I was at Hume Lake for winter camp the same year you were there, because I remember a young man, a senior in high school in a wheelchair, and just really struggling through the snow, right? Snow is no fun in a wheelchair. No. And uh, we crossed paths in, but I've really gotten to know Chris more the last few years, Chris is an amazing speaker. You're going to find that out in a moment. But he speaks a lot at youth camps and family camps. And a year ago, we got to be at Forest Home together for a whole week and just had a great time. So that's why I knew you would love him today. Would you give a warm welcome to Chris Simning? Thank you. Good morning. Sunday. It's good to be here. You know what's funny about life? It's things that you don't expect happen. I like the word impossible. If you split that word into two words, you get two words, I'm possible. Everything about that? It's missing an apostrophe between the I and the M, but you get it, right? I'm possible, not because of who you are. Let's face it, you're not all that. (laughs) But it's who Christ is in and through us, correct? I never thought I would be a speaker. Are you kidding me? I can't even speak. And I travel the world for free. It's a blast. (laughs) Airports. I've seen many of them. Airplanes, I've been on many of those. A tube that flies through the air, what a thought is that? Baggage claim. Ooh, that's a nightmare. Get off the airplane, you go downstairs, and you stand by a conveyor belt. It's funny. You're just standing there. You're not talking, you're tired, you're grumpy. And then you hear the noise of the conveyor belt moving. And now bags come one by one on the conveyor belt towards you. And you're looking for yours. Where is it? And all these bags are shapes and sizes galore. Some are the same color so you get confused. There it is. Yo, yeah, it's not mine. Go get out of here. Here it is. Here now. And they're waiting for your baggage because it's the one that you have to claim. Hence the name baggage claim. And I think about life like that. 
We have baggage. All of us do. We've walked through the doors this morning carrying it. And it comes in different shapes and sizes. It's hard to manage sometimes, lugging it around. But you and I are on what I like to call as an adventure. Through this crazy thing called life. I love the way the Lord works. This promise still stands. We just sang that song a few moments ago. I believe that he can move mountains. And I believe that when there is no way, he will provide a way. I believe that he will do it again. I don't know about you, but I've seen it in my own life. I stand here today healed. And there's silence in the room. Healed? You're not healed? Look at you, Chris. You know what? You're not healed either. Look at you. (laughs) You have your Bibles this morning? Oh, this is going to be a fun day. Okay. (laughs) Go to John chapter 5. I want to talk to you about a miracle that changed my life forever. I'm standing before you today in a body that I can't control. A voice I can't manipulate. I still trip and fall down. I'm always misunderstood everywhere I go. It's quite comical to get people's reactions when they see me. Is he stupid? Can I talk down to him? Hey, buddy. Hey, skipper. People touch me like I'm five years old. I'm always misunderstood. It's kind of fun, actually, because I like to fool people. <laughs> I'll be sitting on an airplane, so where are you going? Oh, I'm going to on business. What do you do? I'm a speaker. What do you do? It's fun. I like John 5 because it's a miracle that John, the writer of this gospel, writes about. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are four, four books that we call the gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are four people with different perspectives. And all four of these people spend time with Jesus. And all four of these people write from their perspective of who Jesus is. And many of them write similar stories in their books. John, for whatever reason, writes in John 5 about a miracle that happened at a place called the Miracle of the Pool Bethesda. John, the Gospel writer, 
declares himself as somebody who is a disciple whom Jesus what? Loves. I find that interesting. He identifies that about who he is, the disciple whom Jesus loves. Maybe he gets it more than all the other disciples. Maybe he understands God's love just that much more. I love his title because it's true. And he writes, he feels compelled to write about this poor Bethesda when Matthew, Mark, and Luke never mention it. And he changed my life, and I'll, I'll tell you why. John 5, verse 1, I'm reading from the ESV. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Have you ever been there? It's amazing. Now, there's a Jerusalem by the sheep gate of pool in our bank called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. And in these lay a multitude of invalids. There were those who were blind, the lame, and those who were paralyzed. One was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw by him there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? Stop. <laughs> what is wrong with that question? It's obvious. Hello. Why do you think he's there? That's what he's waiting for. And you have to ask the obvious? And the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and why I'm trying, and why I'm going, and others steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I love this. Jesus is hilarious. So the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. It is not law for you, for you to take up your bed. Legalism. Hello. But he answered them, The man who healed me, that man, he said to me, Take up your bed and walk. And they asked, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. And afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. And the man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jewish leaders were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. Jesus had work to do, and he's still working today. He's working in your life, he's working among your baggage. It's something that you have to claim because it belongs to you. I don't want your baggage. 
And I guarantee you, you don't want mine. It's been a hard life to live with this. I was born with a condition called five better cerebral palsy. We call it CP. So mild that if you looked at me, you could not tell that I had it. That's how mild this was. It came on at birth. It was discovered when I was five years old in kindergarten. My kindergarten teacher noticed that I shook and tremored in my hands. And because I did that, I could not write with a bit of pencil legibly alphabets. And they would go off the page. So I started to type. So I'm older, so they used to make these machines called typewriters. <laughs> and I typed. I'm a graduate of Azusa Pacific University. Thank you. And I had note takers, and I always picked girls to do it. I'm not that dumb. Hello. They were beautiful, and they had better penmanship than men do. I always pick women to do notes for me. They would be in the classroom with me as a student themselves. And after class, they would go to a copy machine, Xerox their notes, and give me a copy. I always been good grades because of them. It was amazing. So I'm going through life. And then I hit eighth grade. And go to bed one day in eighth grade. I look just like you do, right? I just shake in my hands. I have a typewriter, no big deal. My teacher every year said, you have the best penmanship in the whole school. Well, of course I do. I type everything. <laughs> I can care less. I kind of prided myself on the fact that I had to type. He go to bed in eighth grade, it looked just like your eyes, a little bit better looking than you all. But he went to bed, I'm just kidding. Come on, you can laugh, it's Sunday. And I woke up the next morning and I couldn't lift up my head. Imagine that. Overnight, my life has changed in an instant. I stood to my feet that morning when I got out of bed and my head fell forward. So far forward that my chin was touching my chest and I couldn't lift it back up. I'm in eighth grade. What do eighth grade boys go through? Puberty. You know, I woke up with this. We didn't know what it was at first. We thought maybe there's something wrong. It would go away. It would be a kink. That would work itself out of my body. And later I learned that this wasn't going to go away. So we went to doctors and hospital visits and medical tests. And two and a half months later, I was diagnosed with a rare muscle nerve disease that they think is related to the CP at birth. And I was diagnosed with a rare muscle nerve disease called Torstal dystonia. Say that. Torstal dystonia. If that was shortened, now it's torsion dystonia. But when I was diagnosed, it was 
the torso, no, dystonia, the twisting of your torso. So as your torso twists, your vocal cords twist with it. That's why I talk the way I do. Because your torso twists, the way that you walk gets jeopardized. That's why I walk the way I do. Eighth grade. From my eighth grade year to my senior year of high school, I didn't live a better day. Every day got worse and worse and worse. And in between my junior and senior year of high school, that's number F, I was confined to a wheelchair. I never thought I would ever walk again. I'm always misunderstood because of the way I looked. I'm always judged. I live a different life. And it's taken years for me to get to the point where I am at. And I still struggle with insecurities. I still struggle with confidence. I still struggle with fear. But God is with me. Why? Because the God that you and I serve is not a product that we get. It's a process that we have as a gift. Because through Jesus Christ, we are whole. Because through Jesus Christ, we are free. Because through Jesus Christ, we get to stand and be victorious. But we have to claim our baggage. Don't let it go by. Your life matters. The contents within your baggage are there for a purpose. Abelated at the pool of Bethesda, what was he doing there? Waiting. Waiting for the next big thing. Waiting to be healed. And when Jesus walked on the scene of the pool of Bethesda, he saw the crowd. He saw those who were blind. He saw those who were lame, those who were paralyzed. He saw their need. He saw that they were sitting on the base scattered around, waiting. If you follow in your Bible this morning, you'll notice that this chapter 5 does not have a verse 4 in it. It jumps from verse 3 to verse 5. Verse 4 is a footnote in many of our Bibles suggesting that an angel of the Lord would swoop over Bethesda and he would stir the waters within it. And it was believed that after those waters were stirred, the first person to get into those waters would be the one who would be healed. It's evident it's been there for a long time. He's been there for 38 years. What I love about the miracles of Jesus in Scripture is not one of them is the same as the others. They're all different. 
Did Jesus get in bed at the pool Bethesda that day? Could have seen the multitude of people. Could have swooped his hand over everybody like this. <coughs> and healed every one of them. <coughs> he didn't. Instead, he went up to one individual, not the crowd. One man. And he had a conversation that was awkward. Do you want to be healed? Duh. <laughs> Why do you think I'm here? You get up off your bed or at the NIV, get up off your mat and start walking. You know what that implies? Jesus didn't ask the man to throw his mat away. The implication is simple. Take your bag with you. Take your baggage with you. Claim it. Because I would have used that baggage, that thing in your life that you think is ugly about you, that thing in your life that causes you to be insecure, take that baggage with you because I'm going to use it to shake people's souls. And that's what it did with me. I'm sitting in a wheelchair, senior year of high school. And all my high school friends are about ready to leave for college. I'm not. I need 24-hour care. And wrestle with being better. I don't know why I opened the Bible that day, but I did. And I stumbled upon John 5, the miracle I just read this morning. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. Because I realized I'm that invalid. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for something to spark something in my life to make it purposeful. And then Jesus said to me, but you have to claim your baggage first. You have to take it with you. And then you can get better. But right now you're too worried about being bitter. I can't do a thing in your life. Because that bitterness is what's making you a crippled. Do you trust me, Chris? Say, I could find Joe Windsor and go to the community college there by home in Fairfield, California, up north. And I'm in an electric wheelchair. And I'm putting around campus. You ever get the opportunity to be in an electric wheelchair? They're quite fun. <laughs> you should try it. And I go behind the gymnasium, and behind the gymnasium is a lip-sized pool. And a bunch of other 
people with disabilities are in the water and they're having the time of their lives. And I go back to my doctor and I ask him, can I go swimming? And I say, Chris, we, we've been through this before. Your muscle and nerve disease, you are one of the first people in the States to have this particular type of dystonia. We're doing research on it. And it sounds weird coming from a doctor's mouth. I don't want you to exercise at all. Because the exertion that exercise puts on a person's body, that may do your body more harm than it does good. Is that but the medication you're giving me? That's not helping either. You're right. Do you want to swim? I'd like to try. It's not going to do anything, but I just want to be with other people with disabilities. That's it. All right, I'll let you swim, but if it takes an effect on your body, I want you to stop. Done. Okay. Get involved in swimming. Two and a half years later, being involved in water therapy, guess what happens? I'm walking. It started to walk in the water. You know what my doctor told me? This is a glorious day. Throw away all your medication. And I've been drug free ever since. (laughs) I have baggage. I'm 25 years old. When this all happens, and life is beginning, and they go off and start pursuing dreams that I've had. One of them is going off to college. I'm 25. I want to be in dorms filled with 18-year-old freshmen. <laughs> I just want to experience dorm life. I'm a little bit behind, but I ain't going to let that stop me. I start driving. Stay off the roads, you'll be okay. I start driving. <laughs> I'm living dreams. I go off to college at Sonoma State University for my undergrad, then into the Pacific for my graduate degree. When I was at Sonoma State, I'm in my dorm room and I have a massive stomach cramp. Doesn't go away. The worst physical pain I've ever experienced to this day. By the way, I don't have any pain whatsoever. I don't feel anything with this body. Praise God. I get rushed to the emergency room in Santa Rosa. And they do x-rays on my stomach to see why I'm screaming in pain. And they do a, an emergency surgery on me, and it's a colostomy surgery. I have a colostomy bag. Talk about claiming your own baggage. Here's a bag. <laughs> I have a piece of my intestine that goes out of my stomach about right here. And I have to wear a bag 24 7 
on the back of it is a hole about the size of a quarter. That's how round my intestine is. It just sticks out a little bit. I hate this thing. It's like a diaper, but it's not. Tug of poop. It stinks. I have no control over what it does. It'll make fart noises in quiet places like a church. And if you don't know I have it, you go, oh, you're rude. I can't control it. I'm like, shut up, shut up. And then I'm like, oh, it's just making a joyful noise unto the Lord, right? <laughs> I don't like this. And out of anything that deals with my disability, this is the toughest thing to deal with. It leaks. It's disgusting. I hate it. Look out what's my baggage. He wants me to claim it. Because there's something greater in store that he's trying to do. The man that knows who Jesus was when he was healed that day. Because Jesus disappeared in the crowd. That's what I love about my Lord. He works on you and then he disappears. He doesn't abandon you. He disappears because he's given you enough things, tools to use for his glory in your life. You have what it takes. He uses us in all shapes, sizes, Baggage, lack of confidence, he uses all that. But you have to be willing to claim what he's given you before he can even work. I'm not serving the Lord because I'm walking. I made that decision when I was confined to a wheelchair. You know, I told the Lord one day, I'm done being bitter. I'll never walk again. And I'm okay with that. But will you please show me how you're going to work in my life? I didn't think I would ever walk again, and now I'm doing this. And now I'm speaking. I went to college to be a Marriage and family therapist. I paid a lot of money for that education. And now I'm speaking? Lord, I wish you would have told me then. I could have saved a lot of money. <laughs> but I used that education in all my speaking. I'm a counselor at large. I get to speak to audiences and crowds. And it has nothing to do with me. It's his story, not mine. 
What's your baggage this morning? I'm not here to judge you. But I think of the victims of Hurricane Harvey. Gosh, I just cry. I don't know their pain. I'm not going to even pretend. I got to sip on a vintage Starbucks iced coffee this morning. They didn't get that luxury today. I'm not here to point the finger at any of y'all. Because I know a lot about baggage claims. It's hard to claim the baggage that you have. But Jesus wants you to get well in the midst of it. And he wants you to take your brokenness with you. Not to define you. Not to put a label over you, but to use your life for beauty and purpose. He can move mountains. And I believe that I will see it again. His promise still stands. He's my confidence. And he will do it again and again and again. Praise be to his name. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for baggage. It's hard to admit. But, Lord, I see your glory at the work of our brokenness. I see your power when we are weak. I see you move when it seems impossible. And in all of that, you remind me that I'm possible. We can do this together. Lord, you are faithful in my life. Lord, you are faithful in this church, these people within these walls, their lives. God, you are a God that moves mountains. So Lord, I pray that you would help us if our hate on to bitterness. We're clutching tight to our mats. That Lord, you will heal us. You may not take away our circumstances, but Lord, you will give us the right perspective in the midst of that hope for our souls. God, thank you for Sunday and for this morning. In your name I pray. Amen.